I'm Jimmy Lewis, and this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, the dirt bike podcast where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. So you never know what we're going to talk about on this show. And this Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, number 43, try to say that fast a few times, we've got Logan on the show, who doesn't say much, but he lets me talk, and that's kind of important. So... I'm going to tell you why horsepower is mostly good for top speed only, and uh, I should decide what protective gear to wear, among you know a few other things, answering the listener questions. So enjoy the show. This show is brought to you by Taco Moto. So you've heard us talk about Taco Mike on the show. He's been a guest host a few times. Taco Moto Co., that's how you find him on the web, sells a lot of the kind of cool and unique tuning products that you need to get your emissions-compliant bike running up to snuff. So if you have questions, he has answers, and he can also sell you the stuff. So if we can't answer the question here, which we hope we can, maybe he can answer the question over there, and he can also sell you the parts that you might need to get your especially KTM or Husky dual sport bike uh, running like a champ. Anyways, it's tacomoto.co. Along with, Climb has been with this show since the beginning, and I really appreciate that. What I like even better is that the gear is super awesome. I've been wearing it since the beginning. Uh, it's evolved a bunch. It's very durable, um, really good fitting. They have features on their gear that are pretty much uh, industry-leading, and I appreciate that because that's what I wear when I get to do fun stuff and I'm comfortable and I like almost everything that they make. So if you are looking for a change of gear or you're looking for the best gear, I think uh, you won't be disappointed by trying climb. So give them a look. And DDC racing, that's Delaney drive components. They're makers of very strong, durable, Chromoly chrome plated sprockets. If you've seen these things, they look like Swiss cheese. They're super light for a steel sprocket. They last forever. They come with a one year warranty and they are built by riders who really care about keeping riding areas open. So if you're interested in some good drive systems parts, check out ddcracing.net. That's Delaney Drive Components. Now, here's the show. It's seven o'clock. That's not bad. Um, I, th I thought we were going to be late. Let me make this bigger right there. Okay, good. Now I can generally uh, see. Uh, George is at dinner. George, our, uh, what is George? Our uh, cub reporter. Uh, the guy that puts the uh, information up when we uh, call out a www whatever uh, dot whatever. Um, let's see. Um, we got some questions coming in. I'm going to get to the questions. Uh, we are going to, I have, I usually have a sheet of paper, but I can't even get my printer to work. My whole network here is down, but we're, at least we're wired now. So it's a yeah. big improvement. Uh, Gabe, is the, is the, is the slideshow going to work? Is it going to say DDC? 
It's debatable. Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted to say that, or I'm gonna have to put a sticker on my forehead, and uh, and yeah, promote that way. Okay, seven oh one, live from Prump. This is the forty third episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is the podcast slash YouTube uh, show slash Facebook show where you, the viewer, can ask myself and Logan. I'm Jimmy Lewis, and this is Logan Tyler. Um, Logan doesn't say much, but he's uh, packed full of knowledge, and uh, every week he's getting better and better. He's my uh, silent co-host, the kind that I like. And, uh, man, I didn't even get myself – I don't even have a beer or tequila here. So, Logan, you're probably not even going to get a chance to talk because I'm never going to shut up, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so episode 43, you can ask us dirt bike and dirt bike related questions. We uh, look at the previous show's uh, questions when it's up on YouTube, which usually goes up uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Then we also look at all the videos that Dirt Bike Test has on our YouTube channel, as well as our Facebook. We have some videos there and kind of collaborate, collect the information get some different uh, viewpoints on things. I have our uh, our first real sponsor. Yep. Logan, who is it? DDC Sprockets. Yeah, it's Delaney Drive Components. DDC. Um, so I've known Nate for a long time. Nate is a... Uh, he is up in Minden, Nevada, or that area. And uh, he worked at another company that made sprockets that used to help me out with my schools. And he now makes them himself. These are the stainless steel, uh, like the Swiss cheese-looking sprockets. They basically last forever. Um, I mean, I've seen... Look at that. It went up there, didn't it? Yep. Good job, Gabe. Uh they're basically last forever. And so uh, Nate said uh, he knows that we talk to his customers and he wants to support the show. And because of that, he's going to give you a discount code for listening to this show. Uh, if you go to the DDC website, which is it's – up, it's right behind me, isn't it? What? Yeah. It's ddcracing.net. That's the website you want to go to. Um, and you put in the code tech talk, you can get off 20% off a rear sprocket and it could be the last sprocket you ever buy. <laughs> so they're that, they're really that good and they're lightweight, um, being stainless steel, they last a long, long time. And I have a lot of bikes and I put a lot of miles on them and I have not worn one out yet. Um, maybe if I had only one bike and I put all those miles on, I could wear them out and I've seen like somewhere, but I've gone through on one of my bikes and, and it might've been the Husaberg. Uh, I put three chains on it and I switch a lot of different rear wheels. So they're kind of going around, but I haven't had to replace the sprocket. I've replaced counter shaft sprockets, but not the rear sprockets on any of my wheels. And do you know how much power that bike has? So much. Uh, that's right. It has a lot of power. And if anything would be hard on sprockets, it would be that Husaberg 570. And, uh, so good, uh, good thing. So twenty percent off if you enter Tech Talk, the code Tech Talk, 
into the website at the checkout. So uh, everybody needs sprockets. If you need a better sprocket, go get those. And and then he'll see some results, and then he'll want to sponsor us even more. And everybody will be happy because you're getting a discount. And you do need, you know, you, I actually needed sprockets. That's why I called Nate and we started talking about this because I need one for one of my 1090. For, I need a, a 45 tooth for my 1090, and I need 350s because I got three new bikes that have junky aluminum sprockets on them that will wear out too quick. So I'm just going to do myself a favor and replace them. So uh, that is our uh, partner for tonight, DDC Sprockets. Uh, good job on getting it up on the screen, Gabe. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, hopefully everybody needs Sprockets and you'll make you'll break the internets trying to run over there and get those from them now. Uh, so the questions we have now. Michael Gaynor asks, how fast was that stock Husky, Jimmy? Um, are you calling Ricky nightly? Uh, those are two different questions. Uh, so as you may notice, if you follow a dirt bike test or Jimmy Lewis on social media, I got my hands on a Husqvarna FE 501 E. Those are the, the Husqvarna's they're, they're not KTM's they're Husqvarna's and did you ride it today, Logan? Yes. You rode a 501. Yep. Biggest bike you've ever ridden. Not CC wise, oh. but yes. What's bigger? The 250 Rally. Honda CRF 250. Rally oh, it's a bigger L. bike. Yes. Yeah, but no. So what? So you said not CC wise. What's the biggest CC wise bike you've ridden? Have you ever stole my Husaberg? No. <laughs> so maybe what? What? What bigger bike have you ridden? No. That's that it. So 501 is the biggest one. Right. That's, yep. a, that's what I thought. So good. Um, so anyways, how fast did it go? Uh, it went 90. I saw 96 once on the um, speedometer, the stock speedometer. I didn't, I didn't GPS it because it's just completely, completely stock other than the tires. And so it wasn't going to be that impressive. And I was doing what I usually do. I go to the dry lake bed. I hold the phone in one hand and take off and video the speedometer going across the dry lake bed. So um, I saw it touch 96 once. It was basically holding itself at 95. And with that that piece of Swiss cheese that makes the bike very quiet and the muffler run very hot in there, uh, that's not too bad, actually. But you can tell there's so much more. Well, you know, there's so much more in it. Um, even if I were able to knock that thing out, I'm sure it would gain probably five or six miles an hour, I'm guessing, just based on you know other experience but if you do anything else you've got to start doing some fuel tuning but <coughs> excuse me uh yeah that bike uh yeah 96 is how fast it went and um no i'm not calling ricky brabeck nightly uh because i would be having to call him uh when i wake up in the morning because they're 11 hours ahead but i uh, a little bit of contact um basically johnny campbell is over there um uh, helping and uh, managing uh, Ricky in the Dakar, which currently right now he is leading overall, um, which uh, is great. And it's kind of, I, I expected that, believe it or not, because um, I know the kind of work that he's been putting in in the off season and still a long race, uh, but uh, everybody's uh, definitely cheering for him, wishing, uh, wishing him good luck. And uh, 
which uh, I don't think he needs luck. I think he's got all the skill to handle it. So um, uh, Kyle Moseman asks, what are your thoughts on the 2020 YZ250FX? Found a killer deal on a recluse CX for $500 new in the box for the FX. Is it worth it? Um, so I have not ridden the 2020 YZ250FX. Uh, Trevor did. Um, he seemed to be pretty impressed with it. Uh, it's, you know, cause it's based off the YZ, which we really like. And all of the changes that they did to, you know, the YZ, um, the year previous gets rolled into the FX and, uh, you have a YZ 250 or did you get rid of that? No. You still yes. have it? Yeah. Cause you, you rode up on, what'd you ride up on today? The KTM 125. SX. SX. Yeah. Your Christmas present, right? Yeah, spoiled kid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, <clears throat> yeah, that's a that's a yeah, that's a good buy. But um, so you know how good the YZ is. Yeah. And the FX is just good. Uh, this Radius CX for five hundred dollars is good. Yeah, that's. Uh, is it worth it? Um, it depends on uh, what you think of a recluse. I I like them. Uh, I haven't. Um, trying to think if I've ridden one in a Yamaha 250. I don't believe I have, so I don't know specifically exactly how they work in in that bike. But um, is usually you can tune them to make them work however you'd like. So if you're looking for a recluse, um, you'll be do a lot less stalling, and you won't have to touch the lever very much. Um, see, George is in there. He's joined, so he must have been done with uh, dinner. Uh, Happy New Year's, Mark. Uh. Good to good to see you out there. Uh, Kevin Omo uh, says, huge thanks for the 450 XCF sixth gear install instructions. Uh, splitting cases and listening to tech talk. Awesome. Yeah. Don't um don't do anything I say while you you know while you're splitting the cases. Because <laughs> yeah, read the read the read the uh, owner's manual. Probably the best way to keep in touch with that. Uh we can do call-ins later. Uh, if uh, if anybody uh, is out there live, wants to call in about halfway through the show, uh, we can uh, get the phone number out and Gabe can uh, screen a few calls possibly. Uh, if you want to call in, if you have something uh, that you want to talk about, uh, mention it in the live chat and uh, then we'll, we'll turn on our phones and do that. So... Uh, yeah, what do we got? How many people are watching this thing? 19. Only 19. Yeah, see, you take a couple weeks off, everybody forgets you're even there. So, but it's chock full of good information. We're going to get right to the questions here that we have on our, uh, these are on our YouTube videos. And Doug Vine says, hey, Jimmy, great work as usual. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, have you tested this? And he's talking about the JD, um, jetting tuner versus the vortex ecu and how would you compare the two i would like to purchase a jd or a vortex for my 450l that will be set up for gncc enduro style riding in new england everyone praises the vortex over the other off other offerings however this may work well for me as i really only plan on a full exhaust airbox mod and a flywheel weight for engine at the moment uh thanks so doug um, I have not tested the Vortex on the uh, 450L. Um, 
And why would you have a 450L and not the X? I guess you want the license plate, um, especially if you're going for racing. But anyways, um, motors are basically the same. The L just has a lot of other heavier um, parts on it. Um, so I think that if you're just doing the exhaust and the airbox, uh, the JD jetting will get the job done. What the, uh, issue with the, uh, oh, do we, do we drop? It says attempting to reconnect. We're back. I'll just pretend like uh, nothing went wrong. All you have to do is put that funny thing that goes bzzz, right? <clears throat> uh, you know how he is, right? Yeah, yeah well, you got his number? Text him. I wish I did. <laughs> I'll give it to you. <laughs> I don't know what happened. When I set the network up, it worked fine. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, <clears throat> okay, so back to the, the, the Vortex. I have, I've not used the Vortex, but you know, then you're starting to alter the ignition uh, timing. And I don't know, I mean, unless you really know what you're doing. Um, I don't think it's, you know, I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to talk about, I got to, I got to talk about horsepower. What I think of horsepower, like just, um, uh, just everything about horsepower. I, I should write that down or write a note right here. Horsepower. Oh, W E. Great radio, right? Talking, right? You can you can listen to me, right? <laughs> um, so, if <clears throat> I mean they do, they do, they definitely um, mess around with the ignition timing a little bit for sound, but for the most part, it's pretty good. And you've got to really know what you're doing if you're going to start playing with the ignition timing, um, and especially in different RPMs. You can do it on the Yamaha Power Tuner app, but it has parameters in there that that allow you to. <clears throat> do it safely mm-hmm. and with um yeah i i i don't know it depends on what you really you know what you're looking for if you're looking for building the race motor and stuff like that the problem is that if somebody <clears throat> gives you a vortex and they don't give you the exhaust system that you're going to use and the air filter you're going to use and all the the, the whole thing it's not going to be tuned for that and if you're going to go to the level of tuning ignition um, you should probably know exactly, you know, what you're going to run it with. So would be careful about going to that level unless you're buying it as a, as a full kit. Cause even just exhaust to exhaust, it's different. Like when I change an exhaust, I end up playing with the fueling most of the time. And if I wanted to go to the level of ignition and, and, you know, like I said, the ignition kind of handles, it changes the, the throttle response more than really the power, although everybody that plays around with it tells you how much power they get, and that's why I'm going to go on a horsepower rant later on. Um, and ladies, at least you got to ride home, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Peter um, Zufello, Zufu, Zufilato. Peter Zufilato asks, and he watched my Tour of Idaho video, where can I find the GPS route? Well, guess what? You can't. <laughs> the, uh, I didn't even get a GPS round. It, basically, you go on to motojazz.com. There's a whole Tour of Idaho form folder thing. And 
there's basically a description of the route with some waypoints in it. And the waypoints, you take the waypoints and you, they actually make it so that you can uh, set your alarm off in your car. I wonder how good our microphones are. Let's see if you can pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, barely. <laughs> so, um, no willy boys, though, going up and down the street, no? Nope. <clears throat> Just car alarms. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you can't find the GPS route, and it's kind of done on purpose because uh, Martin, the guy that, uh, that, that puts that tour together, wants you to study where you're going so you're not relying on just a uh, you know just a GPS track log it would be it would be a little bit too easy if you want to do GPS track log stuff um, do the BDR routes they give you the track log for free and then you're probably uh, not getting in over your head to begin with um, the tour of Idaho is not to be taken uh, lightly and uh, <clears throat> Unless you want to ride an adventure bike on it, then you just go download the GPS route from some somebody who who says they did it, and then you can just take your adventure bike on it. <laughs> I'm joking. You got to ride an adventure bike today, yeah? Yeah. Which one was the adventure bike? The <clears throat> 250 Rally. The right. The Honda, Honda CRF 250 Rally. Um, Ron, and so, so uh, <clears throat> Ron Tice says... Please get rid of the GoPro high vibration video and switch to a Sony action cam for superior on bike videos. People can actually watch. I think um, he <laughs> it was before I had the GoPro. The GoPro is actually really good. It's got really good stabilization in it. You're you're when it, you you're watching one of the videos from when I had a fake pro and uh, the ones you get for forty nine dollars and. Um, that has no stabilization on it, and you it makes you sick when you watch it. And I agree with you, but if if you actually you should come and do my editing if you're complaining about that, I think. Um, David ninety nine is asking about our KTM three fifty video, and he says, "Man, that's a nice bike. My height is an issue. I'm five three. Would this bike be a struggle for me?" Not new, um, let's see, not new to bike, though it would be my first dirt bike. Um, so <clears throat> if it's your first dirt bike and you're coming off street bikes, every dirt bike's going to feel tall. Yeah. You need to learn how to uh, decide which foot you're going to put down. And instead of trying to put both feet on the ground like everybody does and uh, learn how to do it. Yes. I'm pretty sure there's a class for that. There's a class for that. I, oh yeah, I run a riding school in my spare time. <laughs> so we teach we teach you how to. Because um, here's the thing: you don't ride with your feet on the ground. How tall are you, Logan? Five three. Five three. Uh, do we lower your bikes? No. No. Do you have a problem today? No. Oh come on. Well, a little, <laughs> but like. <laughs> how, <laughs> Okay, so there's there's a V ditch. I mean, like a oh that thing. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, there was like a it was it was a it was a perfect ditch, and I rode up to it on the 250L, and it was getting dark, and I and I saw it, and I slowed down, and I go, oh man, it's gonna be a struggle for Logan because you you had you couldn't let your front wheel go down into it, and so I was on the 250, and I almost came to a stop, and that thing does not have like wheel lofting power, 
to put it lightly. So I kind of had to kind of roll through and punch it. And I was going so slow when I did it. And he's like right behind me. And then it's, it's poof dirt. So it's silty. So he managed to get right through it. So he got his front wheel through it and then stopped. And I mean, I didn't matter if he was like six feet tall. He's not going to put his feet on the ground. It was, it was, it was a good, I don't know, 16 inches deep where the, where the, where the wheel would fit. You know, it was like axle height. <coughs> and uh, so that's where he stopped. And he kind of he kind of balanced there for quite a long time until he finally went poof. Yeah. So yeah. So you're not tall enough to ride that bike. You're not allowed to ride it anymore. Um, it's not a struggle for you. It's it's a, it's a matter of perception. You don't ride with your feet on the ground. You ride with your feet on the foot pegs. And when you decide to put a foot on the ground, one or the other, you just slide your butt off to the side of the seat a little bit and put your foot down. That's how you do it properly. That's how I do it. Even though I'm five eight and three quarters or whatever, nine and three quarters this month. Um, and, uh, so yeah, you have a little bit of a struggle, but in reality, you know, how much you're going to be putting your feet in the ground? Not much. So don't let that become an issue. Uh, Brian Woodward says, finally a review that gets the point and doesn't spend 15 minutes gushing over the specs. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brian. Um, yeah. Cause you can read the specs on the spec sheet in the manual, on the manufacturer's website. I don't need to repeat any of that stuff. I just tell you how it works. That's how you're supposed to do the review, right? Yes. I actually really like it when when some of the uh, uh, influencers or commentators of of uh, bikes uh, tell us how it looks. <laughs> they they spend a lot of time telling you how a bike looks. Yeah, it's yeah like good. <laughs> I don't like looking at it. I don't. I just like riding them. So I don't really care. Um, Marky Mark and the Bunky Funch says, uh, and now we're on to the CRF 250 rally that you rode, the Honda CRF 250 rally. How does the thing do on pavement though? And how would it do carrying luggage? Just seems, seems too small for me. Um, well, Mark, it depends on how big you are, which you didn't tell me. And uh, how to do I, it does fine on the pavement. Um, you know, it's a 250. It does great for a 250 on the pavement. Uh, there's some the the Yamaha WR 250R is definitely faster and stronger on the pavement. The KTM's um, Huskies uh, are a little bit um, stronger on the pavement, uh, but uh, it goes down the road just fine. It would probably do better than a lot of bikes carrying luggage because you can tell it's built pretty strong based on what? What would tell you that it's built strong? You don't know. The, oh, the heaviness. The heaviness. <laughs> yeah, the weight. Yeah. It's a heavy bike. Um, I think that's um, – <clears throat> how, long, how long did it take you to notice it was heavy? Uh, I did it before we got out of the gate. Okay. You knew that it was heavy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did it bug you? No. No. It's not, it always the same when it's in balance, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it is a, it isn't actually as small as I thought it was going to be. Actually the, the, the rally, uh, it, I, I think the suspension's actually a little bit taller than the standard, the standard, um, CRF 250. And it isn't short. Actually, um, it feels like almost 
regular height when you're when you're sitting on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, the bike actually has a big kind of a big feel to it, and then you get on it and it's and it, and it feels like a two fifty. It's uh, <laughs> it just doesn't doesn't have the kind of the snap and pickup you you, you you get on it and you go, man, I wish this was a four fifty. And uh, so Dougie doing double D commented um, two fifty equals no power. Well, it's not no power. It's just two fifties worth of power, especially when it's extremely quiet. Do you notice how quiet that bike was? Yes. You can't hear it. No. You can't hear it ride running. Um, it you know you you don't even hear it rev up. You kind of just feel the bike. Yeah. <laughs> sort of rev up. It doesn't. It, you can scream it though. It'll, yeah. It'll rev. Um, but it seems like once it's at about. 3,000 RPMs, the power just goes flat and it stays flat all the way across, you know, just yeah. like a really long, broad torque curve. Um, so, yes, Sue commented, change the rear sprocket two more teeth and it creeps better in first gear and pulls better in all gears. Yes, Sue, I would have to agree. Um, oh, yes, sure. Not Sue. Yes, sure. Um, <clears throat> yes, Two teeth would help. I think I think that would help it quite a bit. That'd be a good that'd be a good change. And then uh, somebody else says, Jake says, mine does eighty five to ninety miles an hour with a Yoshimir exhaust and an EJK controller plus airbox mod. Acceleration is a lot better too. I can see that. Um, so the EJK controller is the same thing as like a JD jetting tuner. Um, <clears throat> it's a fuel tuner, and if like on any of these bikes, you're going to do, you know, open up the exhaust. You're going to probably have to add some fuel to it. He's also letting a little more air into it. And, yeah, I don't see any reason why that bike couldn't run as strong as, you know, some of the dual sport KTMs or the Yamaha um, WR250R uh, uh, with a little bit of work. And then John Quest says, please, Honda, make a 350 again. That would be perfect. 250 too small, 450 too big. Um, they're, they're not going to make a 350. <laughs> so uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to like uh, the the one or the other. Actually, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see the 450 rally. Yeah. I kind of I, I know there there's a company making them over in uh, in Europe right now. They're they're doing like kind of a conversion or a kit you can build for it. But I think that would be a a really nice bike because the the 450 motor actually does run pretty smooth it's and that bike doesn't that 250 rally doesn't have very much vibration no it's it's like it's like riding a marshmallow yes it's marshmallowy suspension and so what you learned today so you rode a husky 501 yes and a crf 250 rally mm-hmm. so the 258 rally is more of quote an adventure it's a baby sized adventure bike and then the 501 Husky is probably, you know, the pinnacle of high performance, we'll call it high performance dual sport. Yeah. And we rode them both in all the same places. Yeah. Didn't do anything too technical. Went on like a mini dual sport slash adventure ride. Uh-huh. And they both worked fine. Yes. Except for the suspension on the Husky for you. Yeah. <laughs> At how much do you weigh? Uh, one, 110. 110, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I got a hundred on you. 100 pounds on you, a little bit less, but, uh, and, and for me, the Husky is a little bit soft and the Honda was definitely soft. And, but you also felt the Honda was a little soft. Yeah. 
but you're used to riding motocross bikes, yes. which are stiff, and uh-huh. big people bikes, which are stiff. So I actually I was watching the I was watching the the, the Sierra uh, ride with you, and and I don't know if you noticed it, but do you feel like it was it was kind of kicky a little bit in the back? Yeah, a like a little. Re, little bit reboundy because mm-hmm. it was going into the bumps really good. Yeah, it was just kind of it would just kind of rebound rim. out a little bit. That's that's a little bit of the weight of the bike, you know, because it's kind of heavier. Mm-hmm. Those tires, we put some STI knobbies on it, full knobbies on it, um, and they tend to be they're there's good they're good traction. They seem like they're working really good, but they they tend to feel like they wallow around a little bit under, especially with the weight of that bike. They were kind of a little bit mushy. It felt like I wanted to run a little bit more pressure uh-huh. um, just to just to. Do that, and I, of course, wanted, you know, I would want to stiffen the suspension up. But for what we were doing today, it was fine. It was, yeah. It was perfect. It bottomed out a few times when I hit stuff too hard, and that's kind of my rule on adventure bikes. You know, if I was going, if I bottomed it out, I was doing what? Too much. Yeah, riding too fast. So um, it might have been the case. Uh, but I'm also probably too big for that bike in reality. It's probably designed for a smaller person, a lighter person. It's a more of an entry level bike. I might be an intermediate, maybe, and so it was probably over my over my skill level. You didn't bottom it out that much, did you? No, at all. I don't think so. Oh, good. Yeah. So a kid can ride it pretty fast, and he was jumping. He was doing some jumping. So um, let's see. And Thorsten Wanoth says. At DBT, are you guys sponsored by Honda? No, but we'd like to be. Do you know anybody? Can you get, can you get, do you, Thorsten, you work for their ad agency? We'd like to be sponsored by Honda. We'll talk about more Hondas. And, and then I promise you I'll stop saying that the KTM 500 EXC is the best bike in the world. Because it could be the Husky 501 now, right? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's, 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 it's pretty good. Actually, we'll talk about that bike in a minute too. Um, let's see. I got a I got a question, a long question here. Jimmy, I am in need of a little guidance in picking a trail bike. And let's see who this is. It's uh, Ron Wielder. Weed Weedler. Ron Weedler. Uh, my most recent bike was an 06 KX450, which was used as a trail bike in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. And did I answer this question before? Does it sound familiar? I've probably read this question five or six times, and I think he sent it to me on two different platforms. So <laughs> that's why it sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That'd be a really bad bike. <laughs> uh, and you're going to answer my question. You're going to do it. Say the 450 had stock gearing, so it wasn't ideal for trail riding, but it was still a lot of fun. Yes, motorcycles are fun even ones that aren't set up. I have about two years of trail riding experience with the KX, 12 years on street bikes, and about 30 years of mountain biking on the East Coast and in Colorado. I live in Alabama and will primarily be riding tight East Coast single track anywhere from North Alabama up to the Carolinas. Green red stickers don't apply here, and the bike will get tagged for connecting trails and riding the Tour of Idaho. Your video, The Tour of Idaho, has inspired a group of us, and we plan to attempt it in 2021. I'm a big fit guy at 6'4", and usually weigh somewhere between 250 and 270 pounds. Okay, I take back what I said about stiff suspension for that KX450. (laughs) You probably actually got it to move. I am looking for a bike that can handle my weight with having so much power 
and responsiveness that is difficult to manage and a pain to ride in the tight stuff. Basically, the smallest displacement bike I can get away with at my weight. There are not any plans for racing or going to an MX track, but it will be ridden hard and fast for the type of riding I plan on doing. Would doing a 250 would be the ideal for the average size rider, but I'm not sure it would have enough power to, power to carry my big butt up the hill. As far as 250 goes, I have zeroed in on the YZ250FX, but I'm open to suggestions. No, you are too big for a 250. You will crush the thing. It's kind of like me riding 125, although I do do that. Um, uh, so I would I would leave out the 250Fs. Uh, if more displacement is needed, will a beta 350 uh, will a, let's see. Will a 350 class bike have enough grunt, or is a 450 in order? The KTM 350 EXC or Beta 390 430 RS are definitely under consideration. Some forums say that the 350 is the perfect size, while others say it is underpowered. And that coming from 185 pounders. So how will it handle an extra 70 pounds? Uh, you're gonna squash it <laughs> the only concern with the beta is that they are supposed to be small about seven eight scale since there's only one dealer within two hours of the house uh let's see um i never really found the beta small in fact i've kind of found them i always found them roomy uh so i don't know where that's coming from um maybe someone pulled a measuring stick on it and it measured out that way um um ups doesn't care whether it's two hours or whatever. <laughs> they seem to be able to get place uh, most orders. Um, yeah, taking it back to the dealer's a pain, uh, but you shouldn't really ever have to do that. I don't think. Uh, so I wouldn't rule out a beta because of that. Uh, the four, the three ninety. Uh, I haven't ridden one for a while, but I remember that being a very nice bike and a very nice size. But at when you're up in the two hundred fifty pound range. Um, <clears throat> You mute out a lot of the horsepower. Like it's funny because just between, you know, me and maybe when I'm riding with Big John, who's what pushing 230, yeah, 230, 240, who knows <clears throat> what he's. I mean, when we start talking about which bikes have snap and which bikes don't have snap, because of his weight, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't have the same problem with bikes that have snap. And I, I've always known this with bigger riders. Um because it's just, you know, it's harder to tug that extra weight around. What do they say? Seven pounds is a horsepower or something like that? Anybody know the know the figure on that one? Yeah, so you can kill the you can kill the power pretty quick being a bigger dude. Um so <clears throat> here he continues. In the four fifty class, I've been looking at a YZ four fifty FX, great bike, arm X four fifty Z. Um okay bike, KTM five hundreds. The best bike and Beta 500, another good bike. Um, the YZ may be a little overpowered in the tight single track for the average side rider, but does the added weight coupled with the ability to mail out the map with the phone app make this a good option? Yes, 100% it does. Um, <clears throat> you can turn that YZ into anything. The RMX drew my interest after reading the long-term review on Dirt Bike Test. Wow, somebody read something? That's amazing. Um, it sounds like a great trail bike, primarily due to its chassis, and only needs a few simple mods to uncork it. Um, yes, and if you understand that it isn't that hard to uncork it, and that it does have a, you know, for a heavier guy, that's a really stiff chassis, so that would help you, I think, also. 
Um, they're also very cheap, around 6000 for a new 19. While money isn't the main factor, the ability to get a new bike for the same price as a three-year-old used KTM 500 EXC is definitely hard to overlook. The steel chassis on the Euro bikes is a plus, and having ridden a 530, the KTM suspension is really nice on the trail. Wow, if you like the 530, you're going to like any of the bikes that you mentioned <laughs> before because things have come a long way. I understand if you can't pour, point me towards a particular manufacturer, but any guidance on displacements, chassis, or any other factors would be greatly appreciated. Appreciate it. Now I remember Ron because I think he actually sent me an email back and I think he did go with the RMX. I think he bought the Suzuki, which you know, it would be real interesting to see because um, that bike is actually like a, they haven't changed it since they brought it back, but it was based off of the like the 2006 R, RM, RMZ and they made, you know, so the RMX or whatever it is. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I can point you, point you towards a particular manufacturer. Um, if Honda sponsored me, I'd say go get a 450 <laughs> RX, but they don't. And if KTM, I'd say go get a KTM. But uh, I have a Husky test bike. You can always go. You didn't mention Husky in here. That could have been a choice. Husqvarna. It's so it just it flows off the lips almost. It's like kind of strange. I don't even know where like it was out of my vocabulary for a long time. Uh, so. Um, no, uh, Ron, let me know. I think, let me know how you like that bike. Um, the Suzuki, uh, they, they're not, they're not, they're not that bad. Um, my, my biggest problems with Suzuki's in the past had been some durability issues, uh, compared to some of the other brands, you know, knowing how much time I put on them. But, uh, one of, uh, one of my helpers at my school bought a used one from a guy and it had a lot of miles on it and he's been riding the wheels off it and he's, Really happy. Uh, Curtis Kelly asks, Curtis Kelly asks a question almost every week. Uh, he said, what are your thoughts on riding with a neck brace? When I ride with someone that has one, I feel like I should have one. I ride single track, desert, and two track. I ride a WR450F. I am older with average speed. So when you ride with someone that doesn't have one, do you feel like you don't need one? <laughs> I what do you think about neck braces? I like them. You like them? You wear them? Yeah. Okay. I uh, I don't. Um, and I actually saw a lot of the um, – I was one of the very first people to ever try one um, with, with the, uh, Dr. Liette at the time because we were on the BMW factory. Um, we were racing the HP2. I probably told this story before, but um, they came and set them up the way that they needed to be set up for it to work. And they were explaining what it does and, and everything. And it had to be a certain distance off of your helmet. And I ride with my shoulders shrugged. So I ride, you know, with my shoulders up. But I don't sit like that normally. And more, more of the time they're down. So when I when I would put it on, it would start lifting my helmet off my head and lift my goggles into my eyes. It wasn't good. And and he, and so I was trying to explain it to him. I could do this. And he's like, oh, well, we can lower it down. But he was really insistent that it had to be so close to the helmet because if it wasn't that close to the helmet, it did, in his opinion, it did nothing. And this is before they were popular, before there were some injuries, before some racers that, you know, had been injured and other people said different things. 
And I just, I just knew for me, I couldn't ride with it. I told, I did, this is what I told the team manager. I said, cause they said, you will, you know, as, as a team, we will race with these. And I said, no, I won't race with it. I'll do a parade. I'll go out and ride around at a safe speed where I can like ride and let my shoulders come down so I can wear this contraption. Because if I go try to race, I shrug up and then it lifts my helmet off and I'm not going to, it's distracting. It's not going to. I have more chance of crashing with that thing on than I do with it off, just period. And I and I know what it does. It transfers load. That's all that that's all the brace does. And the very first Liats didn't I don't think they transferred loads into the right place. So they transferred them a little bit farther down the spiral column. It's for a catastrophic head injury. So Alpine Stars shortly after that comes out with their version. And a couple other, you know, different companies came out. Alpine Stars did tons and tons of research on it. And they, when they introduced it, they were very clear about what they expected it to do, how it was supposed to work, the different thing, and and um, and at this point, everybody was kind of on the spin factor of the neck braces on what they did, and and they were kind of and now some of the information that was coming out of the different companies, uh, I I didn't think it was uh, and. I didn't think it was truthful. I think it was you know more marketing speak than it was stuff. And then and then some of the designs changed. So they were trying to transfer loads to different things. And maybe it was competition or maybe somebody saw something that was actually better and they tried to copy it and they're getting around patents or whatever. But um I always remember the studies that Alpine Stars did and and they basically said it the 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 neck brace is really good at protecting your your spinal column if you land directly on top of your head like you literally torpedo straight into the ground and they had this like cone this like 15 degree cone that you would have to kind of hit at at a certain angle without your head being bent it have to be straight for and to actually do what it was supposed to do as far as you know protecting that part of the that part of the spine the upper cervical spine and but what it was it was and they, they found in their testing it was really good at pre- preventing like secondary injury. So you've already broken your neck. Now it's going to stop extra stuff from happening. And, and they, there's a lot of, I think they had some technical papers that were published. I think they might've even been in the packaging or there was links to this, the studies uh, in the packaging on the, on the brace. So I, but anyways, they also showed you how f- they had some videos that were crazy because they used, you know, human cadaver things and they showed them, and it's amazing how much your neck will flex and stuff without it takes a lot to 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 break it to do the kind of damage that they're trying to protect from so um yeah uh so i don't care what anybody else is wearing uh, if it makes you feel safer i always say wear it you know um knee braces uh you know you know whatever protect chest protectors um you know i'm I'm a big proponent for helmets. I think helmets are <laughs> pretty good. You know, boots. I like I like boots. But I wear knee cups a lot of the times. I don't I don't wear knee braces all that much. When I when I go to the motor track, I wear knee braces. Um, when I'm trail riding, I wear knee cups. You know, it just kind of depends at the level that I'm that I'm uh, operating at. And I just I personally never felt comfortable wearing a neck neck brace just because me personally the way I rode it didn't work for me. Um, it just was so it was so distracting. I couldn't do it. A good God, if I ever went down a hill, you know, I go down a hill and I'd be looking at my front fender. I couldn't look at where I where I was going. So it just it just didn't work. And then I, and then when I did the research to see how it how it worked, um, I didn't uh, I didn't find that it was a it was just it was a kind of a trade off. I didn't want to 
I was happy with where I was at and what I was using, which was which was nothing. And I wear a chest protector a lot of the time, most of the time when I'm riding. So I'm I'm kind of that kind of safety oriented. Um, so uh, it doesn't matter what anybody else is wearing. Wear what you feel comfortable uh, with. Um, you know, same goes for helmets. You know, I, I did the research on the on the different testing standards that helmets are tested to, so I can look at a helmet and I know which tests I want that helmet to pass. And uh, it's probably not what the you know the salesman that's going to try to tell you uh, which one is best for you, or maybe not what you've read from other people uh, that uh, just say that you got to buy the expensive helmet because uh, I saw some tests where some really inexpensive helmets performed exceedingly well on the stuff I wanted to perform at. And uh, I make sure my helmet fits. And uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, fit and weight are two very important things in helmets. So yeah, uh, that's Jimmy on safety equipment. <laughs> What'd you think of the Husky? It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. That was it? Well, you're going to tell everybody how it worked? Like it was stiff, but compared to the... Yeah, you can't test suspension. <laughs> compared to the Honda, it was much more reactive. Yeah, and that bike is also completely stock. I mean, down... Well, we changed the tires because we always change the tires because it comes with pretty much street tires as far as we're concerned. And uh, it even has that little perforated core thing in the the muffler. And so it, do you think it had a lot of power? Yes. Coming off of a 125. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I think, uh, hey, Victor's in uh, Micho Khan. Micho Khan. He's down in Mexico. I still got to send you. I, I've got your address. I'm going to send you that gear. I know you took off. You said you were taking off, so I didn't want it to sit in the sit in the, a box in front of your house so you, next time you drive down to the 7-Eleven one of the dudes is wearing it out in front of the 7-Eleven looking, looking pretty dapper um, let's see Phil Walker he's thinking of the X trainer um, was I thinking of the X trainer or was I talking about one of the one of the guys no I don't I don't. oh the 7-8 scale bike they are, yeah. that's what they, they call that thing um, I am looking like a dirt bike Jesus yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. He's popular down in your country. <laughs> uh, Dakar thoughts. Uh, you're a big Peter Hansel fan. I'm a big Peter Hansel fan, too. Uh, guy's a legend and proud of Brayback. Yes, me too. Um, no, we don't talk about much much about racing on the show. In fact, when I get those racers to come on the show and they only get to come on once, unless maybe they win Dakar, we'll bring them back, maybe. Uh, cause I like them to give you riding tips and talk about, uh, motorcycle and motorcycle related parts. There's plenty of shows to, uh, to talk about racing and, uh, yeah, but Dakar is pretty interesting. Jonathan Belding. I saw that you sold your bicycle shop, Jonathan. Uh, what are you doing these days? We should go riding actually. Cause I can do better nose wheelies than you. <laughs> I've been practicing. And, uh, okay. So that's, we've kind of hashed through the, uh, the questions in the room so far. So back to the, back to the, the Husky, um, would, what, so power wise, you said it had a lot of power was, and at your weight, it would. Yes. 
because you're light. I I think for for a stock bike, um, and this is where we're going to talk. This is where I'm going to talk about horsepower. Everybody's all worried about horsepower, and there's all you know. There's whole forms on the internet that just basically it's like you got to buy this, you got to buy that, you got to buy you know you got to take you got to tear this out, you got to put this in you know, and and everybody's after this horsepower number, which is any anybody talks about horsepower, they're gonna they're gonna give you peak horsepower, right? That's the that's the number everybody's after, and but when they go do these modifications, it's like. Most of the people have never actually used the peak horsepower of that bike. Now, for sure, when you're on the when you're on the road and you're hold wide open, peak horsepower will give you a top speed number. You know, like that's that's what it's good for. But in reality, when you actually you know going you know top speed, of course, I take them out to a dry lake bed and I go see how fast they go because then that's that's something we can relate to, you know, top, top speed, like the horsepower number doesn't mean anything. And especially when people start talking about, um, you're going to give this bike all this much more power. We're riding dirt bikes that are limited by traction. And most of the time, the guys that are building these engines and stuff, they're not riding them. They're doing them on dynos so they can get a number and associate that number with, look at how much more we got. And then they show you these dyno graphs and these curves. And it's kind of funny because you know, you know, you can play with the numbers a lot. Um, you can tune your dyno to make more power, <laughs> which I've which I've seen done before. Uh, you know, because if if your dyno isn't good as the one at the other guy's shop, and your numbers come out a little bit, it's like, man, your dyno, you got to got to work on your dyno a little bit. It's only good if you've had the exact same bike, you know. And there's, you know, it, a dyno run can change just based on temperature, based on, you know, humidity, different things. We used to have a dyno down when I was at Cycle World. We had a dyno. I played around with it a lot, and I realized it's a really good tool for tuning. But if you don't take what you're doing on that dyno and put it underneath somebody who has a really good dynamometer in their butt and can feel what it's actually doing, half the time this stuff spins or it, it's not rideable. The dyno is like a you know, it's like a hundred percent traction. And, and a, a lot of time when they do the dyno, they just take the thing and they turn the throttle and they hold it wide open. You know, they do this like roll on it and then they allow, it's like, when do you actually get to turn the throttle on your dirt bike and hold it wide open for more than a few seconds? You, you know, it, it, you start spinning, you know, you, you ride. And even like when I was doing some stuff with FMF once we were doing some two stroke pipe stuff and, uh, they gave me some pipes that, worked really good on the dyno and I, I wasn't super stoked with them on the bike. <laughs> and so I went down to FMF and we put the bike on the dyno and I rode the bike on the dyno. And I said, this is where this bike needs to work. This is where I need, you know, it was, they were, they were working on some of the, the enduro pipes. It was for KTMs for KTM 200 we're working on enduro pipes. And I rode the bike and they're like, we don't even take readings down there. And it's like, yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't make enough power, you know, like it doesn't. And I go, yeah, that's why this pipe doesn't work down here. It doesn't, it's not, it's not doing its job. It made great numbers up on top, but, you know, and we had, I had videos, you know, where, where I was riding, where you could hear the bike going, rrr, 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 and it was like, and then this is this quite a while ago. Um, and they were, they were, they were kind of blown away. Like, really, you ride it down there? Because, you know, they off-road was it wasn't new to them but it was like they were really they were really focused on building better stuff 
and and the dyno isn't a very good tool for that. You know, it's it's really hard. You know, it, it has a weight in it. It keeps spinning, and the, the bike wouldn't. You know, I was like having to kind of hit the brake to, you know, I was skidding the wheel on the drum, you know, to try to get it to just pull off of, you know, right off of idle. And uh, so uh, this horsepower uh, thing, and in reality, I kind of don't think you can, quote, feel horsepower. And this is, this is a Jimmy thing. Um, you feel torque. You feel torque is what's is what's pulling in you so so when i when everybody shows you all they show you is the is the the horsepower curve it doesn't it's like yeah okay it does it does that but i want to see the torque curve the torque curve is a lot more meaningful and and when you see when you see you know torque curves that that have steep you know steep rises in it you know that that's going to spin you know you know it's going to it's going to pick up it's like the KTM 300 <laughs> i i know especially when I was playing around with the power valve, I know when I turned it a little bit too far, cause all of a sudden it, it just like ramped up too quick and it was really good on the street. I mean, on the street, like you roll that thing on and it would go. And then the front end just starts coming up. You know, you're doing a third or fourth gear rolling and the front end just like comes up. You go ride that in the dirt, you get to that part and the, just, it just revs right through it and spins the tire up and no good. No bueno. It would make a really good number on a dyno. For sure, but it's completely useless um, in the in the real world. So uh, yeah, kind of take that take that for what it's worth. And so when we're all these guys are talking about modifying stuff all the time, uh, especially the 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 emissions compliant or the sound compliant bikes, and they're you know tearing all this stuff off and doing all these different things. You are taking a bike that's that's pretty stinking rideable. In fact, I would, I would, and, and most guys, they do it before they even ride the bike. You know, they're, they're pulling parts out and doing different things. They never actually ride, ride the bike. I would dare you to go find, you know, go do the kind of riding you're going to do. Set up, establish like some kind of a loop on, on the riding that you're going to do. Take your stock, completely stock bike. I mean, put tires on it if it's one that has bad tires, but we could put your tires on it. Take your stock bike out and ride it around the loop and take some time. You know, get comfortable riding around it and time yourself riding around it. And then after you do all your modifications, go time yourself riding around the same loop. Hopefully the conditions are consistent. It's really hard to do that on dirt bikes. But anyways, and see see which one's faster. I I I because slow bikes are really, really fast if you know, because you can use them. You're not, you're not, you know, every time you crack the throttle, you don't have to back it back off again because it's spun up. You know, you, you're rolling on and the bike's actually pulling and moving you someplace. You're not constantly, you know, having to work the throttle in two directions. It's generally just twisting and going. And uh, and then the other good thing about that is having renting in stock. And when you modify these things, try to do one thing at a time. Uh, I love it when people do six things and they come back and go, hey, my bike's really not working that good. It's like, what'd you do to it? And it's like, <laughs> it's it's not hard to, hard to diagnose those ones. Uh but do it in kind of steps so you, 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 you can see whether is that an improvement or is that, is that something I'm going to have to get used to? So we're, we're, what I find is people want, like when they're modifying, they want, thro- they want throttle response. And most of the modifications and companies that sell this stuff give you stuff. They give you bonus throttle response because you're spending a pretty significant amount of money to get it. And they want to make sure that you feel it. And having ridden like, you know, really good factory bikes and stuff that don't give you 
that level of throttle response because it's not usable. Um, you know, and some companies are getting better about selling kind of the, more of the stuff that they race, that, that people are racing with, as opposed to what feels good in the parking lot. Um, yeah, it's it's not all it's not all about the horsepower. It's it. I'll tell you how to get free or how do you get free horsepower around here? Come on, twist the throttle. That's right, buddy. Twist the throttle. Turn the throttle farther. You'll save a lot of money by turning turning the throttle just a little bit farther, and uh, that'll kind of uh, get you go. Going, uh, Brad Wilson, are you a fan of auto clutch? Do you think there should be a class for auto bikes and off road? Uh, Brad must just be a new listener. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of an auto clutch. <laughs> I was wearing a recluse hat in the last show, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, big fan of auto clutch. Uh, uh, do I think there should be a class for auto bikes? Um, like you have to ride it, you have to ride in a special class. I don't know what it, everybody wants to win a trophy. So we should have more classes so that you can, you know, you can, they can have the 50 C auto clutch class. And then, and then that way, maybe when you get to 50 B, then, then you can go to 50 C regular clutch and you know, that way there's a, there's a class for everybody. Um, I don't think, I don't think, I actually wish that there weren't so many, it should just be run what you brung, <laughs> run, run what you brung and, 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 you know, just give an overall ranking. And then, you know, if you beat somebody that's younger than you, older than you, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. My slow bike goes good. That's San Felipe Bob. Uh, good for you. Didn't your kid blow up his bike? Was he, yeah. He's like Logan now. Your kid's like Logan. He turned that piston sideways in that sucker. Or did dad forget to mix the gas? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, they just break sometimes, don't they? Uh, okay. What else you got, Logan? I don't know. You don't know? You, you're lucky that I didn't have a you know a beer over here, tequila. I needed to pull, pull over and um, you know grab a, grab a little shot or anything like that. Um, we're looking for a tequila sponsor, uh, by the way. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring this uh, this uh, podcast or, or uh, help us archive our old ones, and you can sponsor those, uh, hit me up, uh, Jimmy at DirtBikeTest.com. I uh, answer emails at least two days a week, I think, um, when I don't go riding. I've been riding a lot because I have that Husky 501 FE. Um, I'm going to ride the dirt bike version of it uh, probably early next week, I hope. And I was supposed to call somebody back about riding that I didn't didn't I got too too confused with all the technical issues going on around here. Hey Gabe, did you watch the GoPro footage that I have loaded in the side of that computer? No, I'm watching the drone video. Is it good? You weren't recording when you thought you were. I know. <laughs> See, that's 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 why I need somebody else to do this stuff. So uh, yeah, if you want to be an intern at dirt bike test and you know how to push record on a on a drone, um, yeah, that's all the qualifications you need around here. Just don't shake the go the fake GoPros that we use sometimes. But I do have a real GoPro. I got the, some of the stuff I shot today is really good. Like when I was I was doing some handheld with um, Logan right here. Um, he kept trying to run me off the road. I wanted to kind of there was a really nice sunset going in the background, and I tried to get on the side where the sunset was, and he 
sawed me off into a almost into a mesquite tree <laughs> so uh yeah we'll we'll have some videos and we're gonna start doing some podcasts uh that will be bike tests so we will sit down and talk about uh the bikes i think we've done a couple of them a few years ago as is sort of like samples i don't know where they are right now um i think they're on youtube probably if you go back in our channel and our archives and uh, so that way you don't have to read because everybody hates doing that, right, Logan? Yeah. And it'd almost be like you talking. It'd be kind of strange. <laughs> but I'm going to have Gabe do it. So Gabe's going to get to sit where you're at and uh, talk about dirt bikes, uh, specifically the Honda CRF250 Rally, which Gabe put a lot of time on. It's funny because what did you think it was? What? Because it looks like the rally bike, and, and you got to got to understand, Gabe is not like a he didn't grow up motorcycle racing. He grew up. You had a you had a four wheeler. I had a four wheeler and whatever dirt bike we could afford. <laughs> when I met Gabe, he rode up on like an XR100 with a, the no rear brake because the the rear brake thing was dragging on the ground. It was an ADR. It is an XR80R. Yeah. The fenders were like zip tied and glued on. He just he just cruised up and like. I remember our helper, Crazy Nate, felt so bad for him. He's like, oh, we got to help this kid fix. So we actually dug through our parts box. We found a brake lever or something. Or it was, a, it was actually a – no, your clutch lever was broken. We had to take the take a brake lever and turn it upside down, you know, to put it on the other side. And we, we got him going, got him rolling. He, he kept kind of finding us when we were out there doing our schools. And it Yeah, it worked. You're hearing it. So so here's the, here's the thing. is he, he So Gabe isn't, a, isn't like – he's not totally into dirt bikes. Um, and – so he comes from a different perspective when he, and so that bike, so, and he's also seen Ricky Brabeck's factory rally bike over here a bunch. And it looks a lot like the same thing. And, and if you watch Ricky Brabeck ride a factory rally bike, that guy's hauling ass. It's a race bike. It's, it, it makes noise. It goes fast. It, it's, and then so Gabe hopped on the bike that looked exactly the same and it's not the same thing. It's, it's, it's. It was a, he was disappointed. He thought he was on a factory rally bike. He came over and thought he was getting a factory rally bike. You got a factory, you got a factory rally bike. It came from the Honda factory. Yeah, it came from the Honda factory. It's half the display, a little over half, you know, less, you know, not half, but, you know, it's only 250, not a 450, so 200 cc's back. Um, and, and so he kind of, he kind of said, hey, I think this bike is a little bit more of a, what, what did you call it? Beginner's adventure bike. That's exactly what he called it. And it that's exactly what it is. Without knowing what it was, you know, or thinking it was something different, he came back and told me exactly what it was. And then almost every comment about the bike he told me was like, that's exactly what they designed this bike to do. That's exactly what this bike is for. And in the end, it's a pretty fun motorcycle. Once you're used to it, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're not expecting a factory 450 rally. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so it, you think about it, you know, like, you know, the DRZ 250s we have and the, the TTR, it, it's one of those. This, the CRF 230. Remember when we used to, we used to make, make you ride the CRF 230 around? I actually think this one's more fun than those. I, I actually was pretty surprised with the suspension, you know, overall. I, I expected a lot less. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the weight. It's definitely heavy. But the weight also makes the bike feel planted and it, and, and it makes it feel stable. It, when, you, when you're rolling, all of a sudden, that bike actually has, if you're not being aggressive with it, you're just kind of cruising around, it makes it feel really stable. And we actually, you know, when we were doing a beginner, a beginner test a long time ago at Dirt Rider, 
we had beginner riders come out and we had a lot of different bikes and some of the bikes that were the heaviest were the high, you know, the, they were the, they were praised the most by the beginner riders because they were easy to ride. There, there was just something about it. They didn't like them if they had to pick them up. Even when, even when Janie, my bartender tipped it over, she wasn't too happy. You didn't. You didn't tip it over. You didn't tip it over, did you? No, no. you almost did. In the in the poof dirt. Remember, you put the kickstand down. Yeah. Yeah, at five three, all of five three there. <laughs> you put the kickstand down. That thing started going over. He doesn't have a long stilt. To, so yeah, there, there's a, there's an issue with the weight, but at the same time, it add. You know, I, I'm sure they would love to cut 20, 40 pounds off of that bike. It would be it would be good. But you know how expensive that would be, and then it might not be the same level of of durability. So. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what we have to say about that particular bike. Uh, yeah, more on that later. We'll talk, we'll, we'll do a whole podcast to it and wait, didn't, did I, did I, did I read, I, I had one co- good comment Oh, no, it was on the other page here. One good comment about that bike, uh, that someone, that someone, I say, I was saving it. Uh, oh. let's see. Uh, <laughs> was it? it was, it was, uh, this, the one that says is beat to death. Oh yeah. Maddie D <laughs> Maddie D commented about the Honda CRF 250 rally. And this is on, um, we've got a really nice video that Mark, uh, Kapiloff did. Um, and he, he, you know, he's Baja diaries on YouTube and he's, he's pretty polar. Um, you know, some people like him, some people hate him. So some, you know, probably one of his, uh, friends, he says, let's review a bike that's been reviewed to death. Literally hundreds of videos on this thing. You know what's amazing, Maddie D? You had time to comment on it. <laughs> so, so with that, <laughs> I'm going to apologize. You, you know, you, do you have to apologize to anybody else? Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to apologize to Maddie D. Hey, thanks for commenting. I'm glad you guys are watching our videos, uh, listening to this stuff. Uh, again, um. Uh, DDC sponsored this show. Uh, it's Delaney Drive Components. If you want 20% off sprockets, uh, a rear sprocket, uh, go to ddcracing.net. Uh, use Tech Talk as the code shop at, and uh, you will have a really good sprocket. Everybody needs a really good sprocket. It's the key to keep you going. It'll handle the horsepower, all the horsepower your bike makes, whether it's stock or you modified it. Um, lightweight, long lasting. Uh, they give back to the sport. They sport, support land use all the time. And actually, the, the other thing I saw the other day, he, they had a scholar, they were, there was something they were doing through a scholarship thing. So go check out their social media stuff as well. Um, follow them and uh, buy a lot of sprockets tomorrow. And then, uh, then Nate will uh, definitely want to come back. I'm actually buying four of them tomorrow. So I'm right there with you. I'll be putting in that code and we'll be all good. So for Logan, who doesn't say anything, what are you going to say? Goodbye. Goodbye. So we will see you out on the trail. Cheers. <laughs>